You're listening to the Jets Nation Podcast. Hey, I'm Cody Bueller, joined by my brother Kyle. Today on the show, we're going to be talking about the preseason, how the Winnipeg Jets have looked so far as a whole. We're going to take a look at defensive combinations, what's going on up front, who should be in, who should be out, and of course, we'll talk goaltending before the end of the episode. All right, so for segment number one today, we want to take a look at the Winnipeg Jets preseason. Just kind of overall thoughts on these first few games. Uh, At the time of the podcast today, uh, the Jets have already played five preseason games. They beat the Wild 2-1. The Oilers beat them 7-3. Then the Jets won 4-3 in overtime over Calgary. Beat the Oilers 5-3. Down the Flames 5-4 in overtime. So that's just a quick summary of the scores of the game so far. And I think most fans who are listening to this podcast already kind of know that. But for Kyle, your first observations through the first five. It's kind of tough watching preseason hockey. Ton of different things we need to uh, unpack here going in about the preseason. Uh, Tyler Myers playing the opposite side, Niku coming in having some good games. Some of the bottom six guys playing really well um, as well for the Winnipeg Jets. There's a lot of things to kind of unpack, but just as a general um, whole over all these games, it, it's really been up and down for the Jets. There, there's been some games where they they seem um, on a little bit more than others, but for for the most part, the Jets have been severely outplayed, even with their good players in the lineup. They're routinely being outshot, they're being outchanced, and, and they're having to squeak by in, in overtime in a couple games, and they're, they're outplayed but managing to win some. Overall, I don't think it's been a great showing for the Winnipeg Jets this preseason. Does it concern you at all? It doesn't, because when you look at the roster, uh, looking specifically at that beatdown in Edmonton, it was actually a pretty close game in the first two periods. Uh, and that was the game that the Jets didn't have their stars in the lineup. Yeah, exactly. So you can understand they lost 7-3. The, the more concerning one is that the game on uh, the next night was against Calgary at home, playing some of the, the top guys, the, specifically the top line was playing. They were down... Uh, 3-2 until the last minute, Brian Little scores the last second goal to tie it, and they end up winning in overtime as well. But but it wasn't a good showing. They were severely outshot, they were outplayed, outchanced, and that's with the big guys in the lineup. But I don't think it's really a concern because they haven't had their entire lineup in any games so far. And you could argue the point, though, that it does show the fact of how close it really is. Sometimes the difference between a Manitoba Moose line and an NHL caliber line, where sometimes these players who are on the Moose, they can have a good game. They can have a good couple periods and they can play against an NHL line and not always look out of place. Because there is times when if you get the Jets line in the attacking zone, they're going to pick apart an AHL line. But there's a lot of times if you're just kind of playing through the neutral zone and if you're playing kind of safe, there's a lot of times where some of those teams can skate with the Jets or at least skate with them for a few periods. Yeah, I totally agree. And you can see that from the Winnipeg side of things as well. A guy like CJ Cease coming in, scoring a couple goals. Or how about Skylar McKenzie gets a two-goal game uh, last game as well. These are guys who are have no chance of making the Jets this year. They're going to be moose players. These are guys who haven't even played pro hockey before coming out of uh, the USHL and, uh, and, and junior for Skylar McKenzie. And they're making an impact in preseason with multiple goal games. So like you said, there's really not a huge difference between some of these guys um, from night in, night out. It's just that consistency on a game-to-game basis is where those those big guys are really going to be taking over. 
Exactly, and when it comes to preseason, uh, it is still some, uh, still so early. Uh, guys are still shaking off the rust. I like that Patrick Line quote where he was saying, well, my shot's not ready, my skating's not ready, and he basically just listed off all these things that he didn't feel was quite ready, and so I don't know if he was trying to be funny, and you kind of see maybe a little bit of humor in it, uh, but it's also him recognizing that, yeah, I expect to be better, and there is a, definitely an expectation from him this year. So one of the most highly debated roster moves that Paul Maurice has made this preseason is putting Tyler Myers on the left side with Dustin Bufflin. If we're talking preseason, this has got to be a topic. Yeah, exactly. It's been arguably the biggest story in all of Jets training camp so far. We just had to talk about it today, and we're going to kind of break down what's happening, what's going on, and if we could actually see this in the regular season. And so now... When you take a look at Tyler Myers, last season he didn't really play a lot on the left side. Uh, he spent most of the season, I think basically all the season, uh, on the right side, kind of playing on that third pairing. Uh, if there was any bumps or bruises, getting moved up in the lineup a little bit, but always on the right side. And so now when we talked about it, and you did kind of like your uh, preview of who's going to play on the left side in that same spot where uh, the Jets had where had Enstrom last year with Buffalo, and who was going to kind of fill that slot this year, the Jets in the preseason, and trying to put Myers there. A lot of people didn't like that at all because it didn't look that great. But what were your thoughts when you saw it? Well, I like the idea. I think if they I like the idea. The idea of it is great. If you really want to have your top four as the best possible top four you can have, you want your four best defensemen in those four spots. It, I agree. It, it, it Tyler Myers is one of the top four defensemen on the Winnipeg Jets. And I don't think anybody would really debate that. Yeah, maybe he struggles getting out of his own end. Yeah, he turns the puck over sometimes trying to make an offensive move. But he has that skill. He has that ability to be a top four defender in the NHL. But that's usually on the right side. And like you said, he's been on the right side his whole career, his entire life. That being said, he did play at times a little bit on the left side last year, um, used very sparingly within games, uh, maybe at the end of a game, um, near the end of the season as well, kind of like, um, I don't even know what you would call it, just an interesting deployment by Maurice to put Myers on there just for a a quick look at the end of a game when you need some size in front of the net or something to that effect. Plus to give him a little bit more ice time. Exactly, And, and that was ran a little bit last year with mixed results, but this preseason has been quite bad um, by all metrics. You look at the eye test, it, it looked terrible. Myers is getting beat. Um, he's giving up zone entries like very easily. He's turning the puck over in his own end. He just looks awkward out there on the left side. You look at the numbers and they back those up as well. Uh, Buffalo and Myers have been severely outshot, outchanced, essentially out everythinged with them out together. Out everythinged. I liked it. I like that. Yeah, so... By both metrics, it hasn't been good. So for Paul Maurice, what do you do? Do you keep trying to make it not fit if it's not working? Or or do you just hope that Myers develops this after a few games? Well, they talked about it on the radio, and I heard them talking about this. It was Myers and Maurice in close dialogue with each other, talking about whether or not this is working and just kind of getting each other's reaction about the experiment. That's encouraging, at least from my perspective of, At least these guys are aware and are talking to each other. Maurice isn't just going to do something if he's thinking about it on a whim. He's talking to Myers about it and wants Myers to feel comfortable with it. I think that they'd probably both recognize how these first few preseason games would go. And so really what you need to decide now is which is better for your team. Myers playing on that left side or whoever is playing on that left side replacing him. 
And so now we haven't talked a lot about it, but could Kulikov move up to play with Bufflin? If Kulikov is your second best left shot defenseman, Kulikov then move maybe moves up. And then who's on that third pairing with Myers? And then does that, there's just so many moving pieces here when you move one guy up and plays on his offside. I see Myers starting on the third pairing to begin the year once the games mean something, unless they still want to try it on him on the offside for a few more games. But I think that with the options of Niku and Sherrod and and uh, Morrow, I think just that there's too many guys on the and Kulikov, there's too many guys on the left side to keep Myers there. Yeah, and I totally agree. Like you said, when you're talking about the organization now as a whole, if you move Myers to that left side, well, now who's your your third pairing defenseman on the right side? Your only option is Tucker Pullman on his strong side. If not, you're going to have either Sherratt or Morrow playing on their offside, and then now you have two pairs playing with their offsides just because of that. So if you do that, then it's a little bit awkward on the third pairing as well. If you have Pullman there, well, now you have organizational issues because you're running into you can't keep that many defensemen. If you're not sending around down Sherratt or Morrow, and if you run Myers and Bufflin and then Pullman and Kulikov, you're going to have too many players. Most teams only keep one extra defenseman. That means you're going to have to send down either Morrow or Sherratt through waivers because they're not exempt. Pullman's the easy guy to send down because he is waivers exempt. Same as Niku, both of them can just go down as they please. It doesn't really matter. And that's what might it come, that might be what it comes down to for these roster moves for Shevel Dayoff at the start of the year. And so now that's just looking at the defensive side of things. Uh, let's take a look now uh, what's going on up front. And let's also take a look at some of the younger players who are kind of uh, making an impact for this Winnipeg Jets in the preseason. So now that we looked at the defensive side for the Winnipeg Jets, I think we kind of talked a little bit about Sammy Niku and uh, his potential for this season. And let's quickly touch on him, though, before we move into other younger players and what's going on up front for the Jets. Uh, just your thoughts on Niku early? Well, he's been quite good, and, and I like his comment saying he needs to be in the NHL to get used to that speed. Uh, maybe not taking so much of an arrogant, I deserve to be here, but more of a, I need to learn from the NHL players and get this time to further my development. I I agree. He's already the defenseman of the year in the AHL. What is there left to learn at, no, at that No, he level? was the rookie AHL defenseman of the year. There's a difference. Is there? Yeah, because there's AHL defenseman the of the year. Who's the defenseman of the year? I don't know. I don't know all of the Are AHL sure? players of the years. Look it up. I'm pretty sure. Okay, let's look it up. Hit pause right now on the podcast. Okay, so we took a pause. We're back. Uh, Kyle was right. I hate that. Uh, Sammy Niku was the defenseman of the year, so most outstanding defenseman in the AHL, winner of the Eddie Shore Award. He also made the all-rookie team, so I think that's where I was kind of getting it confused. Mason Appleton was also the rookie of the year for the AHL. And if you've listened to Dennis Bayak, he's also confused it many times, so that's possibly where you got that as well. Uh, but like I was saying, Sammy Niku, can he learn more at the AHL level? Well, I'm not so sure because he was the defenseman of the year already. So I think he might need to be in the NHL to further his his development. And a lot of people are saying, especially after that two-goal game, he deserves to get a shot with Dustin Bufflin to start the year. He's got that offensive upside that none of the other um, Jets depth defenders have. It was kind of interesting, though, if you checked out the article on Jets Nation about the reverse eye test. Did you read that article? I did, and it was a great piece by uh, Winston, one of the new members of the Jets Nation team. So go give him a follow if you haven't yet. Uh, go read the piece as well. It's a great, great article. Yeah, basically, uh, just a kind of summary, and he gives it in much better detail. It's kind of the eye test about a player who scores like two goals 
isn't necessarily having a great game because he struggled in a lot of other areas. But a player who doesn't score and maybe appears to struggle, has maybe one giveaway, didn't necessarily have a bad game. And so then again, it's just kind of the reverse eye test, uh, if you will. And so now kind of just looking at Nichu, and we kind of talked about before how there's not a lot of room on the Jets' uh, defensive side of things to really fit him in. Obviously with injuries and different things, he might get a little bit more opportunity. I'm not sure if he's going to start the year with the big club just because he's able to be sent down. Your thoughts just quickly? Yeah, I totally agree. Just due to his contract, I think he's going back to the Moose. The Jets don't want to lose Morrow or Sherratt having to send one of them down. I don't think they will. I think Niku should be on the team, but I don't think he will be on the team. At least to start. Okay, so then now getting up to the forwards and taking a look at some of these guys who've been playing, like you said, uh, Cease and uh, some of these other guys getting kind of a first look uh, in a Winnipeg Jets uniform. Uh, Skyler McKenzie getting a couple of goals. Uh, Jack Rozovic, I, f- I feel, has been getting a lot of ice time. He's one of the players that we kind of talked about in the last podcast is, is Jack Rozovic going to be is locked in for a a spot on this roster, and I think the way he's played in this preseason, the way he played in the last year, it just really is cemented for me that Jack Rozovic is guaranteed on this team. Yeah, I totally agree. I don't think his spot is in danger at all, and yes, there has been good performances by other other players, but it just it seems it's a given that Rozovic is on the team to start the year. Yeah, based on the way he's looked, he's obviously been getting some trust. He's been getting some different line mates. One line combination that I kind of liked or I uh, found intriguing, Lemieux, Roslovic, and Ehlers. Yeah. Your thoughts? So this is really interesting because Little was playing between Ehlers and Line A to start the preseason. Uh, it was not going well. We saw it last year. It was not going well at all. So actually, Ehlers moved down. Perot moved up. So it was Perot, Little, and Line A as the second line. And Ehlers was playing with Roslovic. And he's now been with Roslovic. He's played with Dano for a little bit. Uh, played with Lemieux a little bit. It's a really interesting dynamic. Uh, I think... Um, Ehlers and Rozovic could play well together just because they're so fast. Um, Both of them are so fast. They can play at that high speed like not many others can. I think this would be amazing for the Winnipeg Jets to move Ehlers away from line A, put him with somebody like Rozovic, and I think that could be a huge boon for the Winnipeg Jets, having a really a solid three lines like that, plus your fourth shutdown line. You would really be rolling. And it's kind of interesting how the conversation goes this year. When we get away from the whole goon topic and the fourth line shutdown line, I remember when we started this podcast talking about the fourth line, it was just a desert with guys like Peluso and Thorburn. And it just felt, you just felt like, oh, this fourth line. But the Jets and Paul Maurice, I do want to point out, Paul Maurice has gone to four scoring lines. And if you want to count the Lowry line as a checking line, go ahead. But he has moved that way. And people thought, oh, he's never going to do like this. He's a terrible coach. He doesn't realize. Paul Maurice realizes. I think he felt in the past those younger guys weren't ready to have that kind of depth and kind of get those kind of minutes in a scoring role. I think he realizes, yeah, they're ready. I think we're going to see even more this year than what we like we saw last year. But I like this with Rozovic and Ehlers. Because of the speed, because of the creativity, it spreads it out a little bit more. And there was talk, and I like this interview with Maurice, that he uh, was asked about um, kind of diggers on a line and getting after the puck, get drivers on lines. He's wished not only line A, but everybody would be a driver. Everybody needs to be doing that more. Some guys are just able to do it more consistently and on a more regular basis, and Perot is one of those guys. So you put Perot with line A and Little, that just gives more opportunities for line A to shoot the puck. You put Ehlers with his speed with a guy like Rozovic, who plays a similar style, I think this could be huge. Lemieux on the wing, I don't know. 
I don't mind that look. Maybe Lemieux gets a shot, gets a little bit more sandpaper in the lineup. I kind of like Lemieux, especially with some numbers he's put up in the AHL. I would like to see him get a shot this year. I don't know. Nick Patan's kind of fallen out of this conversation, I feel. Yeah, and so you say you like Lemieux on that line. I don't disagree with that. I don't think Lemieux is a lock to make the team. I don't think he I don't will think so make either. the team. Probably um, not. He does add a little bit of grit, like you said, but if you're looking at his numbers in the AHL, well, Patan's are better. If you're looking at NHL experience, Dano has more of that. So I think whatever Lemieux can bring, the only thing he can bring is maybe a, a grittier side to the lineup if you want that. If not, the Jets aren't really hurting for grit because Adam Lowry plays a big, heavy style. Brandon Tanev gets in the opposition's face. They play a similar type style, so maybe, cop. maybe in a different role than Lemieux has traditionally. But I think there are other players, specifically Patan and Dano, both have a leg up on Lemieux uh, for that last roster spot. But regardless, I think if you put Rozovic and Ehlers with Patan or with Dano, or heck, even put Line there instead of Little in the middle of them, it just gives a different look with Rozovic being a totally different player than Brian Little. Little really needs uh, possession drivers on his line, which is why he plays so well with Matthew Perot. Line A really needs possession line drivers needs on his line. Line needs the same thing as well. Um, if you look at some of the line combinations from last year, uh, looking specifically at Brian Little, the interesting thing is every single one of his best line combinations includes Matthew Perot. He, he needs Matthew Perot on his line for him to succeed because of that play-driving ability, getting into the corners, creating turnovers, that sort of thing. And specifically, one of the best combinations was Perot, Little, and Ehlers together. They were a dynamite line. And that would leave Rozovic and Line together, which would also be an interesting look as well. But there's just so many combinations, like you said, um, going forward for the Winnipeg Jets. It, it, they'll run some form of variation to that. It seems that the first line's locked in and the fourth line's locked in, and then you kind of mix everybody else up in the middle. I am a, I'm starting to become more and more of a proponent of splitting up Ehlers and Line A, and we've talked about this on the show. I would really like to see those guys apart and some kind of combination of forwards in the middle. Because if you look at the Pittsburgh Penguins, especially when they were winning their Stanley Cups, they were able to split up Crosby, Malkin, and Kessel. And if you think about that, those the big three on Pittsburgh, you split those guys up and you have complementary pieces with each of them. If the Winnipeg Jets can do that, you split up Ehlers, Line, and Shifley, and obviously Shifley has Wheeler, or even if, depending on how you want to look at it, but those big four players spreading it out, balancing the attack, having a shutdown line that's not a black hole on the fourth unit. I think I'm liking what we're seeing up front uh, heading into this season. One last segment, though. We do want to get to goaltending. Anything you want to mention up front as far as battles go? And yeah, position? one quick thing before we get to that. We haven't talked about Veselainen at all. Oh, right. He was one of those guys because I put Lemieux kind of in there. Yeah, so Veselainen could easily be on that third line. A, a line of Rozovic, Ehlers, and Veselainen could do some serious damage and some serious scoring uh, on a third line. If you run Perot, Little, Line, and have Ehlers, Rozovic, Veselainen, I think that might be the opening roster for the Winnipeg Jets. I really like that. And then in the press box, Patan and Dano. That's exactly And then Lemieux back to the Moose. That's exactly my projection for for next week. So basically, so yeah, so we just added Veselainen instead of Lemieux. Because Veselainen's looked good so far. If you watch him in the preseason, maybe he hasn't performed like some people thought he could, but he hasn't looked out of place. He even played a game with Shifley and Wheeler playing some time up there. He has not looked out of place in any role he's been putting in so far. He's been on the top power play unit. He's looked comfortable in the NHL. 
And so that is definitely a good sign, and I look forward to seeing him come opening day. I know sometimes it can be hard to watch preseason because there's so many other guys in the lineup, because the games don't mean anything, because opposition aren't putting in their full lineups. You don't really know where your team stands. I've had a, It's been a struggle for me to watch some of these preseason games when there's other things you could be doing when it's still nice outside. Well, okay, it hasn't been that nice outside. We've had some snow, but you, you kind of get what I'm saying. So one last segment looking at the goaltending. All right, so last segment, and I think this is going to be a short one, just because when you're talking forwards, there's so many possibilities. Same with defense, but with goaltending, there's really only one net, and there's only two guys in the NHL at the start of the season. So for you, Kyle, the Hellebucks, the like, we're not. It, it's funny because last year we were talking one A, one B with Mason. There was discussion, there was debate. There's no debate. Connor Hellebuck is the starting goaltender for the Winnipeg Jets. And honestly, as far as I'm concerned, anything else after that doesn't really matter. He's going to be starting probably over 60 games for the Jets this year. Fair? Oh, yeah, he has to. He has to. So that's 20 games or so for the backup. That's uh, not very many. A quarter of the season for the backup, maybe. Brussois, Comrie, any preference yet? Well, this is interesting because a lot of people point to that first preseason game against Minnesota. Brussois was in the net. He looked great. Yep. He looked strong, solid, not giving up many rebounds. He was great. Yeah, good everything you Everything you want in a goalie. Uh, a lot of people base who they think the goalie should be on one or two preseason games, which I think is complete nonsense. Remember when Pavlik had that shutout in the preseason and then didn't make the roster? Yeah, so uh, there, there's that, right? Y- you can't base your your pickings on one game against an AHL-level opponent. Specifically, it was essentially the Iowa Wild we were playing in that first preseason game. You can't base it off that. You have to go off their body of work um, in years past. And if you go by that, Brassois might have this, the, the slight edge over Comrie. Um, but yeah, Comrie hasn't looked great in the preseason. And I don't want to limit it to preseason because it's been two games for Comrie as well. But he has not impressed so far. Yeah, so with... The small sample size, obviously the goalie coaches and the coaching staff are going to be going on a, a wider body of work that they've seen in practice and from what they've seen so far. And I think it's one of those things where it doesn't really matter who starts. If one guy's maybe struggling to start the year, maybe he has a couple bad outings, maybe they switch. Maybe they go back. And I, I don't know if it's been decided yet. No, I would give the edge to Brassois because him being brought in was probably for this role as the backup. Uh, Comrie likely to get another season with the Moose, and in my opinion, that's where it's at right now, um, unless something drastically changes, like you said, in the goalie coach's mind. Uh, but one thing I kind of want to mention is Connor Hellebuck, and I was reading a couple articles um, just polling GMs and polling players about the best goalies in the league and, and kind of ranking them. And some people said Hellebuck was was a top three goalie. And there are other people who said, well, I don't want to put him anywhere near top three because I don't know if he can replicate his success from last year. That A lot of people want to see it again before they actually say Connor Hellebuck is a legitimate number one goalie in the NHL. And I think that's a fair argument. Absolutely. I think when they were people were always declaring Carey Price as number one, it's because he had so many years of experience and he had so many years of competing at that high level. And when you think of elite goaltenders, you, you there is a level of consistency because we've seen a lot of goalies who've been flashes in the pan, who've come in and have had even one or two, or two, maybe even three good seasons and then dropped off. And when you're looking at only one season, I think back to the Hamburglar not that long ago. Yeah, there right? you go. I well, remember wasn't him. that a fun time? Andrew well, Hammond. Think about the Jets getting into the playoffs. Andre Pavlik had a, a career year that he never even close to matched again. 
There's so many guys that on one season can be above average and, and go back to bad last year. I'm not saying Hellebuck will be that. I'm, just I'm hoping sa- he's not. I'm just saying pump the brakes a little bit because he's two years removed from from essentially losing the starting job and having a, a terrible, I think it was a 908 save percentage uh, two years ago. Pump the brakes. Love that expression. Well, I think that pretty much does it for today's episode. If there's ever anything you want us to cover on the Jets Nation podcast, hit us up at Jets and Podcast on Twitter. Probably the best way to get a hold of us. And yeah, if you have anything you want to discuss, and of course, if you want anything, Kyle, to write about, uh, that would be a great place to go. Find all of the Jets Nation podcasts at JetsNation.ca.